Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Have you ever heard someone say something like this? There was no New Testament at the time of Jesus. All there was was the Old Testament. The first part of that is true. Of course, there was no New Testament at the time of Jesus. It hadn't been written yet. But the second half is also not quite accurate, that all there was was the Old Testament at the time of Jesus. The reason it's not accurate is because there was no book called the Old Testament. And the books that were considered authoritative varied quite distinctly from what we consider to be the Old Testament today. So when Jesus, at least according to the gospel tradition, regularly appealed to the scriptures that were in existence, he was probably referring in part to the books that we have as part of the Old Testament today, but to other books as well. And when it was time for him to start his ministry, as we read in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, when he said, quote, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand, close quote. He was reading from the book of Daniel. That would not have been misunderstood by those who were listening to him. The book of Daniel says that a kingdom would be set up which would never be destroyed, according to Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. The kingdom was to be bestowed on the saints of the Most High, according to Daniel chapter 7, verse 18. Now, it's fascinating that the question then becomes, was that something that happened then or off in the future? The group at Qumran, the people who wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls, considered themselves the latter-day saints, meaning that they lived in the last days before the coming of the Savior. Those who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints now believe they are living at the time, the last days, before the second coming 
of the Savior. So they have a great deal in common. When Jesus said that the saints of the Most High were going to receive the kingdom of God, the question is, when would that be? He also announced at that time that the kingdom of God was at hand. So it's fascinating to wonder what scriptures was he referring to and what saints exactly did he have in mind. Luke tells us when he was in the synagogue of his hometown in Nazareth that Jesus set out on a ministry. And he did that by reading Isaiah and declaring the unnamed prophet of God there, talking about the poor and the captives, that they would be released from their oppression. We, we read about this in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He was reading those words, and that was followed by the announcement that this scripture was being fulfilled in their ears, according to Luke chapter 4, verse 21. So at least to some degree, Jesus believed that he was fulfilling the prophecies about the coming of the Son of God, the coming of the Messiah. That is fascinating. And again, what scriptures were available to Jesus How did he understand those scriptures? Were the scriptures that were available to him the same or different from the scriptures of the Old Testament that we have today? And the answer to that question is that there was some overlap, but there were quite a few differences. The whole idea of a Bible is something that the Jews at the time of Christ did not have. Bible comes from a Latin word meaning book. There was no single book at the time of Jesus. There was no assembled set of scriptures into one book. There were scrolls, many, many scrolls, scrolls that are part of our Bible today, and also many other scrolls that are no longer part of our Bible, and some that were considered authoritative, that were never part of the Bible even shortly after the time of Christ. So Jesus spoke of scriptures rather than of a Bible. And so for us to say that the Old Testament as a Bible, as a book, or as part of the Bible or a book would not be accurate. Let's talk a little bit about what Jesus' scriptures might have looked like. There's this fascinating statement that Jesus made, and it gives us some evidence that Chronicles was the last book in the Hebrew Bible as Jesus knew it. That might be astonishing to some who are listening. When Jesus said that the generation he addressed would be answerable for the blood of the prophets— shed from the foundation of the world, he added, quote, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary, close quote. This is in Luke chapter 11, verse 50. Now, Abel 
is, of course, the first martyr in the Bible. In Genesis 4.8, he was killed by his brother Cain. Zechariah here is most probably the son of Jehoiada, who was stoned to death in the court of Yahweh's house because, speaking by the Spirit of God, he rebuked the king and the people of Judah for transgressing the divine commandments. You can read about that episode in Second Chronicles chapter 24, verses 20, 21, and 22. Now, that lets us know if Jesus was referring to Abel as the beginning and here as to Zechariah at the end of, of the scriptures as he knew them, that Chronicles, Second Chronicles, was probably the last of the scriptures or the books that he considered to be scriptures. We should note here, I suppose, that Zechariah at about 800 B.C. wasn't the very last of the martyrs and, and, the Bible, and the books in the Bible, but Zechariah canonically was included in the last book that would have been considered part of the canon, and that's Second Chronicles as we have it today. So, what did the Bible look like at Jesus' time? Genesis through Second Chronicles. Here's another interesting point, and that is that at the time of Josephus, there were a number of different opinions about what ought to be part of the Bible. And we have a whole bunch of different descriptions of what those might be. Those talk about 94 books in different places. That's a lot more than the 66 that we have today. And there are other places where it just talks about 44 books. And then we have a number, well, we should go to a specific reference here. Keep the 70 that were written last in order to give them to the wise among your people. That phrase is from 4th Ezra, chapter 14, verse 45. That shows us that there were a number of books that were worthwhile and that were discussed and believed to be Scripture that are not part of our Old Testament today. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. We're talking about the Old Testament at the time of Jesus. What did it look like? Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. If you have a question or comment about today's program or about any other programs or perhaps a religious question, feel free to send me an email. Send it to martinstanner at gmail.com, martinstanner at gmail.com, and I will respond as quickly as I can. One of the fascinating finds that bears on this question of what did the scriptures look like at the time of Jesus is the finds, findings um, that we call the Dead Sea Scrolls. The discoveries at Qumran, northwest of the Dead Sea, in 1947, some of the years right after that, have really increased 
our knowledge about the history of the Hebrew scriptures. These scriptures all, of course, dated the time of about 70 AD. We know that because there are no books that are in the Dead Sea Scrolls collection that date past the time that Jerusalem was overthrown by the Romans, and that was in about 70 AD. The Dead Sea Scrolls comprise about 900 separate documents. Very few of those are full documents. About a third of those are part of what we would consider the Old Testament books. Another third would be other religious writings that are not part of the Old Testament. And then there are about a third, another 300 or so, that are secular writings, Plato's Republic, uh, other kinds of writings that were considered important but, but not scriptural. And so the, this is a fascinating find because there are so many books and they lay undisturbed for such a long period of time. All the books of our current Bible are there, as I mentioned, but many, many others. One of the most fascinating is the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch is something that's referred to in many places in the New Testament and probably in the Old Testament as well, but the book itself is not found there. And there's hardly a reference to Enoch at all, just in a few places in the Old and New Testaments by reference. One of the books or reference works that's found in the Dead Sea Scrolls is called the Zadokite book, or the book of the Covenant of Damascus, as it's sometimes called. And it attaches or proclaims some kind of authority to the book of Jubilees. But this is a different book of Jubilees than you can find if you go to Deseret Book or some other location. What we have is quite a different set of books in the Dead Sea Scrolls than we have today. Another work that's unique from the Dead Sea Scrolls, in addition to the Zadokite book, the Book of Jubilees, which is different from the one that we have today, and is the Temple Scroll from Cave 11. And maybe it ought to be called the Torah Scroll because it talks a lot about the Torah or the Law of Moses. And it's a fascinating book. It, um, according to Yigael Yadin, who is a famous archaeologist and Old Testament scholar, argued that it had the status of canon in the Jewish community during the time that the Dead Sea Scrolls were written. So perhaps then, the canon as Jesus understood it and knew it included the Temple Scroll and the Zadokite book. One of the other fascinating points that we ought to make here is that when we think of Jesus and the apostles that he called, we have to know that they were at least in accord to some degree with the other leaders in Israel about the canon of scriptures. But we don't know about what all the scriptures were that were accepted by Jesus and the apostles 
or about the Jews. So we're not just talking about Jesus and what he believed, but also about the Jews at his time as well. One of the things that's also important to bring out when we talk about what did the scriptures look like at the time of Jesus is to say that they were part of a different tradition. Some of the books that we read about, for example, in the New Testament that we have and in the Old Testament that we have, we don't know where they are. We don't know what they even mean. For example, we can't say with certainty that if Paul was talking about Esther, he was talking about the same one that we have or the Song of Solomon, the same one that we have. And there's some other examples here. There, there's this quotation from Enoch, the seventh from Adam in Jude, verse 14. And this particular reference recognizes that the book of Enoch was authoritative. Earlier in Jude's book, there's an account of Michael's dispute with the devil over the body of Moses. And that may refer to a work that is now no longer scripture called the Assumption of Moses, or the Ascension of Moses, at least in some forms. But if that's true, the part of the book or this particular work containing the incident that's being quoted in Jude 9 has been lost. We just don't have it. It's nowhere to be found. There are some other quotes in the New Testament that are introduced as though they are taken from Scripture. They are Scripture, but their source, we don't know what it is. For example, the words, quote, he shall be called a Nazarene, close quote, that you find in Matthew 2, 23, and it says there that was spoken by the prophets. Well, we don't have anything that we know of then or now that has that kind of a description in it. There's another example in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 38, where it says, quote, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water, close quote. And it's introduced by the words, as the scripture has said. So that shows that this is referring to something that's considered scripture, but we don't know exactly what the reference is to. We, we have no idea. And there are other examples. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, what no eye hath seen nor ear heard, that whole phrase starts off with the introduction, as it is written. Now, that may look a little bit like Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4, but it's really not a direct quote, but it's introduced as if it is a direct quote. Some of the early church fathers say that it comes from the secrets of Elijah, which is a book no longer part of the Old Testament canon. Uh, others say that it's from the apocalypse of Elijah, also no longer part of the Old Testament canon. This shows that the Bible at the time of Jesus and the apostles, the Old Testament scriptures, as it were, were probably quite different than the way we have them now. There's another quote here from Paul, and it's um, what we might call a triplet. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. We read that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. That seems to be a reference to 
an ancient hymn or a scripture because it's introduced by the words, it is said, but we don't know where that comes from. There's no specific reference that lets us know that. We also have no idea where the famous phrase, he yearns jealously over the spirit which he has made to dwell with us that we find in James 4 and 5. James is quoting from Scripture, but we do not know which Scripture. All of these things show us that there were Scriptures at the time of Jesus, and Jesus' idea of what Scripture meant to him and what was accepted as authoritative by the Jews of his time was probably quite a bit different from what it is now and different from the way that we assume it was. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.